Hi, and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie, and in each episode, we'll help you connect with and take care of our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I chat with Brian Laroni, Scottish Waters Director of Corporate Affairs, who highlights the negative impact climate change is having on our water and how we can all reduce consumption and help prevent system blockages. He explains why the Nature Calls campaign is seeking a ban on wipes containing plastic and asking everyone to bin all wipes rather than flush them. So hi Brian, welcome to the Make Space for Nature podcast and thank you so much for joining us today. Lovely to see you. Great to be here. Thank you. So I'd like to start off by asking you um, about Scottish Water. Now you work for Scottish Water. Uh, Can you tell us more about what Scottish Water actually does, please? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We probably all see the vans going about on a day-to-day basis, but if you have to stop people in the street and ask them that question, I doubt too many would know the answer. We do water, obviously. We provide the water to roughly 97% of, of Scotland's homes. There's about 3% of our private supplies, but, but, but we do the vast majority. And then similarly, the bit that gets forgotten uh, more often is the wastewater side of things. So we will take it away from your home, treat it, and uh, and safely uh, dispose of it or return it back to the environment. And uh, that's basically the, the, the core of what we do, among lots of other peripheral stuff as well. Wow, that is a pretty wide remit, to be honest, and a, a much-needed service. Um, and going into Scotland itself, it's, it, we are in a, a twin crisis of nature and climate, and we've already lost almost 25% of our wildlife. Now, how, how is climate change affecting Scotland's water? What have you seen? What, what's going on? Massively so. Climate change is having an enormous impact on Scotland's water and what we as the water and wastewater uh, company are facing at the moment. I speak at different forums and different meetings and so on, and I've got a bit of a mantra going now, which is, if you think that floods and droughts are for the developing world, then I'm here to tell you differently. The impact of climate change, particularly the impact of, of weather extremes, so whether it's uh, very hot dry periods in summers uh, or very intense rainfall, uh, are, are having an impact. If you look at the last, I think, four out of the last six summers have been among the driest on record. That's given us problems both in terms of the amount of water that people are using when the weather's at its hottest that we can only just cope with sometimes, uh, and also sometimes depleting our stocks such that that gives us problems with water quality or, or, or other issues. So you've got not enough water on the one hand, and then on the, the flip side of the coin, and sometimes in the same week or month, you can get the most horrendous torrential downpours that will flood drainage and sewage systems. And you get some places, I think last summer there was some, some, some fantastic, well, not fantastic, we're involved, but very dramatic pictures of Stockbridge in Edinburgh, for example, uh, that was flooded just because of the sheer volume of water that fell in, in such a short space of time. We see storms now that we used to classify as one in 50 or even one in 100 year events. And they're coming, if not every year, then certainly every other year. So, you know, there's no doubt in, in our world at Scottish Water that climate change is very real. Brian, we know that there's, there's increasing pressure on the sewers as a result of climate change, in particular issues with blockages, with people flushing things down toilets and, and that they possibly shouldn't be. And know Scottish Water have their Nature Calls campaign uh, to try and tackle some of those issues. Could you tell us a bit more about the campaign and, and what you're asking from people? 
Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest problem we have on the wastewater side of our of our operations, and it's people putting the wrong things down the loo or down the sink, causing blockages uh, in the sewer network. We get thirty seven thousand sewer blockages a year caused by people putting the wrong things down the loo. And that is very often wipes. It's very often wet wipes, baby wipes, makeup wipes, wipes of all sorts that usually contain plastic and form blockages in the network when they combine with other things, fats, oils and greases, and to, to form, you know, famously in, in some networks they form fat bergs, which have a a good ick factor that people always pay attention to. They're, 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 they're horrible, so people remember those. Unfortunately, it's the day-to-day much smaller blockages, less dramatic ones that cause us to get most of the problems. And you think the, the the kind of pipe from your from your from your loo to join the sewer network is about the diameter of a CD. Do you remember CDs? So it doesn't take much to block those, particularly in the first sort of hundred meters or so of the journey eh, of of your wastewater. So, you know, far too much going down the loo that shouldn't be going down there, and it's causing us huge problems. So what we're doing with Nature Calls, uh, very simply, is to try and raise awareness of the issue, to ask people to stop putting wipes down the loo, to bin the wipes, and to always bin, bin wipes. And then the other part of it is is the, the kind of political side, the campaign side, which is to call for a ban uh, on all wipes that contain plastic which would be a, a step change to, to tackling this problem. Absolutely. And and just to clarify that, you know, you often see wipes that are marketed as flushable, but you're asking people to please bin all wipes, no matter what they are. Absolutely. If, if you, go in, you go into your local supermarket, and I do it on a regular basis because I'm very boring, <laughs> quite a geek on this subject, <laughs> you will see wipes that say they are flushable, wipes that say biodegradable, wipes that will say 99% water, wipes that make all kinds of claims uh, on the packaging. It is really confusing. It's confusing to me. It must be impossible to the vast majority of consumers. If you go in there with good intentions, I'll, I'll buy the least harmful wipes. Goodness knows what you're meant to be buying because the labelling is all over the place. So from our perspective, as, as the kind of guardians of the sewer network, there's an easy answer. It's bin all wipes. If nothing goes down, there's no debate. Quite simply, if they're not in the sewer network, they can't cause a problem. Absolutely, and I think that's a really important point to make because every time I have conversations with friends and family about this, it is, but they're flushable, but they're flushable, and it's, well, you know, just bin them. And I always remember the three Ps. It's, it's a really simple way to know what can go down the toilet, and I was testing my children on this yesterday, actually, and, and they got all three of them. So it's pee, poo, and paper, toilet paper, of course. Of course, they're like, oh, it's a tea for toilet paper. Yes, I know, but it's just toilet paper. <laughs> so, I mean, these these three Ps have, have been, I've heard, certainly heard them for, for fright, you know, quite a few years now. Are people, you know, are people making changes? Are habits changing? Has there been a change in blockages in recent years? Yes and no. If you go back, and I go back over a 10-year period where we've got kind of most reliable stats, there was a definite decline in the first five years of that. We had our 3Ps campaign, our cycle campaign. You may remember it was animated characters, things that we used to do on on TV, and that had a bit of an impact. We we saw small declines in the number of blockages across those years, but then we got a sort of plateau in the numbers, and it wasn't changing very much. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to kind of change things a bit, take a different approach with our Nature Calls campaign, 
uh, and try to get a bit more cut through for our, for our messages. We, you know, it's early days yet for nature calls, uh, so I don't want to get carried away. But we are seeing some progress now. There is a, there is a small uh, decrease in the number of blockages just over the last few months. There are many factors that can come into that, including weather conditions and all sorts. So I'm not going to overclaim uh, for the success of nature calls uh, yet. But I think the signs are quite good that, that people are noticing and, and at least some folk are changing behaviours. That's really good to hear, actually. And I think even people changing their habits, for instance, using you know reusable cotton wool pads and these kind of things and not using cotton buds and obviously not, not flushing, uh, these kind of things in the toilet's definitely been out there quite a lot. But also clearing these blockages, of course, it also releases more CO2 into the atmosphere. And, you know, Scotland's targets, you know, we're going to be net zero by 2045. So we really all need to help by changing our habits. So I noticed that Scottish Water aims to be net zero five years earlier by 2040. So how, how are you planning on achieving that? A lot of things, frankly. We're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at it and, and, and then still. We have a target to be net zero in our operational emissions by 2030. And, and we, we think that's achievable. And, and, and that, to be fair to the rest of the water industry across the UK as well, is, 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 is common to us all that, that that's our target there. The really difficult part for us is the kind of embedded emissions. We have to build a lot of things, and if you have to go anywhere near concrete and steel, there's an awful lot of carbon uh, involved in in, in that. Uh, so that's the that's the tricky part, and that's why the the kind of emissions in our capital investment program will take longer uh, to, to 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 reduce and to to, to get to, to to net zero. So that's why that will take to twenty forty. If I'm being entirely honest, I don't think the technologies exist. At the moment, that we're going to need to get us to net zero by 2040, particularly in the embedded in carbon. So, like the rest of the construction sector, we're we're keeping a very close eye on you know greener concrete and other ways of building things and how to defer you know expenditure on new plant and, and so on and, and try and make things last longer. Okay, so, it's a circular economy approach to to all of that. There's an awful lot of things that. We have to kind of give a go, see how successful they are, and, and ramp them up over the years between now and 2040. But it's a massive task for us. There's, there is, there's no doubt about that. It's going to be very difficult. But, you know, there's a lot of people who work in the water sector who are very committed to the environment. That's why we're here. That's what floats the boat, as it were. So I genuinely do believe that asking people who work for Scottish Water, people who work in the water sector more broadly, uh, to put their shoulder to the wheel to make sure that we can achieve net zero. You're asking the right group of folk. So there's a lot of people that are really passionate about, about the planet, about the environment. You've mentioned you know, technologies needing to be developed to, to help us get to the targets, um, but what else do you think would be the main challenges that, that Scotland still faces to, to reach the 2045 target? Oof, so many things. I think if you'd asked me that even... A month ago, two months ago, I'm not sure what my answer would have been, but I think I know what it is now. I think the cost of living crisis that we're now in has the risk of derailing us from decarbonisation agenda and our net zero targets. I think I wouldn't want to be in government just now because I think it's an awful dilemma to be in that, you know, money is scarce, household budgets are under real pressure, and they're going to have to make really tough decisions right across kind of public policy, but including when it comes to the environment and it, and it comes to, to carbon emissions. 
We only have one planet. We have no choice. We have to look after it. But for the next, I don't know how long, but certainly the next couple of years for sure, I think it's going to be a lot harder to invest in, in net zero technologies and to, to keep up a pace of change that was envisaged before the cost of living crisis. Um, so I think we're at a real challenge point, maybe a turning point, but a challenge point for government, for public bodies, for policymakers all around. And what is the right balance of the economic well-being of the nation and the planet and the pace that's going to be required to hit targets that are necessary if we're going to keep global warming, you know, below the targets that are set in the Paris Agreement. So I think that's the biggest risk at the moment. It's the political leadership that's going to be needed and the balance that's going to have to be found to continue on the route to net zero in a very different context to the one that we had even just a few months ago. People always think about, um, you know, what, what little things can they do themselves to try and make a, bit, uh, a difference or, or contribute to solving the climate change problems, which is where our Max Space for Nature campaign comes in with small practical things that you can do in your own life, either just for your own um, mental health and well-being and, uh, and to assist things like wildlife in, in your own small way. Um, could you, there's not anything that you like to do to try and, try and contribute that maybe people would want to copy as well? Yeah, probably a couple of things. I'm very lucky. I've got a reasonable sized garden, so that gives me the opportunity to, to, to do things. And despite what my neighbours might think, I'm not just being lazy by allowing things to areas of the garden to kind of wild over uh, a bit. It's kind of deliberate to try and leave some areas for the, for the insects and the bees uh, and so on. The thing I've noticed this year, I, I live in, in Bears Den, just in the north of Glasgow, and I've noticed around here in terms of my garden, some neighbours' gardens, and in sort of woods just across the road from me, that foxgloves seem to have really taken over this year. And so they're a weed, um, and the gardener in me wants to, to pull them out instantly, but the bees love them. So I've let them, they're almost as tall as me now, in, in certainly in one corner of the garden, let, let them flourish this year to, to help the, help the wildlife. And I've, and I've done, you know, this thing of kind of leaving an edge around your lawn um, and, and not mowing the whole lot and, and, and things like that as well. So it, it's quite it's quite good to see that. The one other thing that I would push, which I think is a combination of helping out nature and helping us in the water world, is I recently installed water butts. So we kind of catch the water that comes off the roof uh, as it comes down the downpipes and, and store it in these butts and then use that to water the garden. So from a Scottish water point of view, it means you're not using, you know, a treated what is essentially a food product uh, on on your garden. So that's, you know, more efficient um, and greener way to do it. But the plants like it so much better uh, as well. You know, the rainwater is is better for them than, you know, drinking water that contains disinfectant, uh, essentially very, very low levels, but nonetheless... Uh, plants prefer the rainwater, so that's the other thing I would I would say that I've had some some success with that people want to give a bash would be would be great. You know, walk into a supermarket just now, you'll see water butts all over the place for twenty quid each. I think they're they're worth a go as well in in, in some of this agenda. Fantastic! I think that's another tip that we can add on to our make space for nature campaign. That uh, that's a really good one, actually. Scotland, obviously, with. Correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the best water in the world, and, and we want to do everything we can to try and keep it that way. Yeah, absolutely. No, we 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 do, and and I mean we love it so much. We use far too much of it. 
In Scotland, the average per person use is about 165 litres a day. If you go down to south of England, it's about 120 litres a day. That's a lot of extra water that has to be made. You know, it has to be filtered and treated and it has to be distributed and so on. There's a lot of energy, there's a cost uh, involved in that. If we could use a bit more, not necessarily in, you know, how we make a cup of tea or what we take a shower in, uh, but for things like how we water the garden, how we wash the car, you know, we could get that personal usage uh, number down. There would be huge benefit uh, to us, Scottish Water, but huge benefit to the environment also. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. That's been great having you, Brian. We'll all be left with traumatic visions of fatbergs. Um, <laughs> and, and, but hopefully that, that reminds us all to, to remember to think carefully about what, what goes down our toilets. And in particular, hopefully we have fewer and fewer people throwing things like wipes down so that we can keep water in Scotland tasty for your tea or your whiskey or whichever you prefer. Maybe both. Absolutely, yeah. If anyone, just the key message, bin the wipes. Uh, there's, there's one takeaway I'd, I'd like, it's if everyone can bin the wipes from now on. We're all in it together, and that is the small thing that, that everyone can do. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, please leave a review, follow us and share with others. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.com.